This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Sea Dick Run. If you're like me, you've been trying to beat the heat on most of your runs so far this summer. That's why you need to head down to Sea Dick Run to get the latest and greatest summer running apparel. SDR has a great selection of tanks, singlets, and cool tees that are going to help make your run so much more comfortable. While you're there, take a look at the beautiful shoe wall to find the trainer that's just right for your foot. SDR has a great selection of Hoka's, Mizuno's, which are my personal favorite, Brooks, Asics, and so many more brands. And on your way out, grab a pint of new Betcha ice cream or some Crampade. That's right, Cedic Run is one of the only places in Grand Forks that you can buy those delicious products. And last but not least, check out the Thursday Night Rhombus Run. Go for a jog and get a free pint of beer from the Rhombus Brewery. That is a pretty hard deal to beat on these warm summer days. For more details on the run or some of the products they carry or anything else, head to Cedic Run's website or find them on their social media. Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Fork. In our second State Meet Spotlight episode, we got the opportunity to sit down with Grand Fork Central's Carter Eldy, the winner of both hurdles in the Class A Boys Division at the North Dakota State Meet back a couple weeks ago. Carter is only the second individual Boys State Champion from Grand Fork Central since 2008. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Last year, Jack Erlocker won the pole vault, first winner on the boys' side since 2008. Now Carter is the second. He doubled that total by winning both hurdles. In the 300 hurdles, he ran a blistering 38.94 seconds. And then he came back to run the 110s in 14.65. And then after that race, he had a really passionate celebration. And if you haven't seen it yet, you can find the video uh, in our highlight video on YouTube. Just search for a track and field podcast. Of course, we talked a lot about Carter's performance at State, but we also take a really deep dive into hurdling, practically giving a clinic on how to hurdle, like what we're thinking about during the race, and like so many other details. So if you're a hurdler or you aspire to be one, this is a good episode to listen to. We also talk about NCAAs. Carter is a track nerd, just like Cam and I, so he's got a lot of takes on the NCAA championships a couple weeks ago. We talked about how cross-country helps all athletes in track and field and what Carter is looking forward to at NDSU, where he's going to continue his track and academic career. As always, we just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening. A lot goes into making an episode, so when we see all the feedback you guys have and all the the reception that's so positive, we, we really appreciate it. Every listen means a ton to us, and we really like seeing all the interactions on social media. So be sure that if you don't follow us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook, so you can be up to date on all things North Dakota track and field. We love to cover some of the news that's going on within our great state. And it's really great. The more people that we have uh, listening to the podcast and watching our social media posts, the better chance that we have to expand our coverage and to be able to do more down the road. So we've got a few projects coming up. Be sure to be on the lookout for those. But until then, enough about us. Let's dive into the newest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. And today we are hanging out with a two-time state champion, 
just a couple weekends ago at the North Dakota State meet. He took home the crowns in the 110 hurdles and 300-meter hurdles. He is going to NDSU next fall to compete in the hurdles, rightfully so. We've got Carter Eldy on the podcast. So, Carter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, always, man. So we were just talking about NCAA track, and you said one of the guys that surprised you the most was Joe Fon, Joseph Fonvola. Tell us what really uh, stood out to you about his performances. Well, I was watching his prelims, um, and honestly, like coming out of the blocks of the 100, I thought – I, I just I didn't think he was going to make the final. I thought it was going to be like a big upset. I thought I thought Matthew. I I personally like Matthew Bullen a little bit more. I thought he was going to come out and win that. But you know, yeah, Michael Williams, Joseph Fonblay, then uh, Matthew Bowling just in the same heat. I also thought that was a little bit weird. But then anyway, straight out of the gun, uh, I just saw Joseph pretty much fall straight behind. I mean, everyone came out of the blocks just so much faster. But then the last thirty meters, he just caught up, and that just really that was just crazy to me. So I just knew something in the finals was just, I thought it was just going to be crazy. And then also seeing Matthew Bowling like barely make finals. I thought that was, I don't know, this, this whole weekend of uh, the championships, it's just, it's, it's always just amazing to watch the athletes. Um, and then just to see him also, Joseph Fambole win the hundred. That was just personally, I thought that was insane. Cause I, I am, I already pictured him winning the two. He's a great 200 meter runner, but then watching him win the one was just, that was that was absolutely crazy. I wish I wish I was a year older and I could have gotten that like Howard Wood when he raced Caleb Larson because I, I bet you that would have been just a great race to watch. Yeah, dude. I think the craziest yeah. thing about Bondola is just like you said, his start and like he takes the huge strides and obviously is able to make up a ton of ground. But I don't know, just the way that he always seems to get it done. Like he's just a competitor. I think that's the craziest thing because, like you said, the 100, there's no way he should have came back and been able to do that. But uh, the other thing, too, that stood out to me, I'm glad you brought up the 100. Like, weird that those guys were all in the same heat. And then I think it was the last heat, the third heat, that guy from Tennessee fall started. And they didn't yeah, call it rash. I saw that. Like, yeah. you could clearly see, like, a twitch. But I think I remember one of the guys, I think it was – I don't know if it was RG3 who was commentating, but he said something about like if your feet doesn't if your feet don't move, like they're not going to call it. But I I blatantly saw a false start and I thought they were going to call it back. And then the race just kept going, and I was like, that was that was clearly a false start in my eyes. But yeah, also that's not the rule. Like I heard him say that too. RG3 is like, yeah, if your feet don't move, it's not a false start. But that is not true. Yeah. Um, RG3. Overall, I thought he did a pretty good job commentating, but you could definitely tell he's been on the gridiron for a while. Yeah, um, I I didn't even know that he ran track because they said something about RG3 commentating, and I looked it up, and I was like, is this the actual RG3 that I'm thinking of? And it was, and I thought I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know he went to Baylor, so. Yeah, dude, a few years ago, it was yeah, kind of right when he got hurt. It was like a big debate. Like, if he doesn't go to the NFL, how good is he at the 400 hurdles? He was 0.02 off of having the national record in the 300 hurdles, I think. Okay. Yeah. Like he, so he graduated. I, I did like the, when I saw that he was commentating, I did like the deep dive into RG3, but he graduated high school early so he could go play spring football at Baylor, competed on the track team, got third at NCAAs in the 400 meter hurdles as a, as like an 18 year old, basically as like a high school senior. So, yeah. And like you said, Ryan, you know, yeah, pretty, 
pretty yeah like like kid he was he was like i mean he won the heisman so it's tough to say if he was like just as good at track as he was at football but he was really good at track so would have been interesting i think i think that's pretty crazy for i mean rg3 being a football player i expect him to maybe go and run like the the 100 the 200 like the shorter sprint hurdles like you have Devin allen who played for oregon and then he went he did the 110 hurdles but i mean like seeing RG3 run the 300 hurdles and then do the 400 hurdles in college. I thought that was like 400 hurdles is a pretty grueling race. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Dude, enough about RG3 though. He's not from North Dakota. Carter, no. you are. And a couple <laughs> weekends ago, you had an awesome state meet, man. Um, crushed both hurdle races. And, you know, that 3894, that's fast. That's really great in the 300 hurdles. You came back and was it like 14, 6, 8, 14, 6, 5? Uh, yeah, 14, 6, 5 in the 110s. Yeah, both really impressive times. And what I thought was so great about that one is that one was, I think they both probably had a little bit of wind in the face. 110s, it says you had a negative 0.1 wind, but I feel like it was probably a bit more than that. Seems like the wind was not super accurate all weekend on the results. But so no. congrats. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I say the wind definitely was a little bit weird. They had a bunch of no wind readings too, and it was just, yeah. So, tell us this: what was your mindset going into the weekend? Obviously, you did so well at EDC, but was it kind of like, was it? Were you expecting to win both? Were you hoping you'd get at least one? What were your thoughts heading to Bismarck a couple weekends ago? So I think about the day or no. I think it was the week before we left for Bismarck coach coach Allen called me into his office and I, and I was thinking, Oh God, what did I do? Uh, so I, I got up there He pretty much told me, um, he was just asking me like what events I wanted to do. And personally coming off of EDC, uh, I did the, I did the, the same events I ran at state that I did the EDC. I ran the 300 hurdles and then back to back 400 meter dash with the 110 hurdles. And the four by four, and that honestly went pretty good. EDC was was an outstanding time too. Um, so we knew that I could run the four hurdles back to back with the one tens. Granted, the time may not be as long um, as it was at EDC that it, that's going to be at state because um, we we're just looking at finals, assuming that I'd make finals. Um, but then getting to state, um, I definitely my mindset for state definitely was the three hundred hurdles. I thought that um, I would come home with that no matter what. I didn't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, the 400, I was honestly looking to win. I knew I was looking at athletic net stuff all night. And I, uh, Justin Zulu just just edged me um, at the end of the race. But my mindset going into that was I'd win that. And then my 110 hurl race was honestly whatever place I'd get, I'd, I'd be happy with. And the 4 by 4 we just got to go out there and compete and see what we can do. And then just like reflecting on all of that, it didn't really go how it, how I, how I imagined at all. It was, uh, of course, the 300 hurdles, I took away the title on that. The 400, like I said, uh, or Austin Zulu, I believe, not Justin, Austin Zulu, um, just beat me at the end of it. So I was really mad after the 400. And then I went out with the 110s and ran uh, PR. So I couldn't be more happy uh, with how that race went. I, Sir, I, I think I showed the most emotion I ever did when I crossed the finish line. Um, I'm not really a smiler on the podium. So, and then the four by four, I thought, I, I personally thought we went out there and we, uh, we competed very well. I think we, we PR by four seconds and then just 
every other team did, did, you know, amazing as well. It's just that four by four mentality. So. Okay. So did you say you're four by four PR by four seconds? Uh, I think we did. I think uh, we ran a, I think our PR before that outdoor was like a 329 uh, mid and then we ran like a 325 uh, mid or low, I believe in that. So we did pretty good at that. Yeah. And you can't be too upset, you know, when you get a PR and the, the meet record is set like in the same, same race. So only, yeah, I was to say that was like only so I much think, you can do. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we crossed the finish line and I looked up at the board and I saw that, you know, they ran a 319. And then I also saw later, um, I think you guys or someone else had posted on Twitter that none, like there's no senior on their four by four team. And that is just, that's just absolutely yeah. insane, but it, it's, it's great to see. So. Oh yeah. Carter, I don't know how many people know this, but, uh, you ran cross country for a while. Um, and you beat, you've beat my brother more than once, I think. And he's, you know, he's all in on the distance, but, uh, why, why did the cross country dream fade? What, what happened there? I mean, it's working. I'm not saying you made the wrong decision or anything, but, uh, how, well, one, actually, let me ask this question first. How do you think cross country helped you? Let's take a positive spin on it. Your time when you were in cross country, how did it help you become a better sprinter? Um, I think cross country helped me become a better sprinter more so a better athlete was just like the endurance background of it. Um, you know, you go into a sprint. I think when I was younger, I mainly focused on the four or even when I was a freshman, no, I think when, so when I came in as an eighth grader coach had me try out, um, the longer distance events in track. And we slowly figured out that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that wasn't my thing. So I think I got put in a 400 and I ran a pretty decent time. So I think I stuck with the four. Um, and then that was my eighth grade year is pretty much a bunch of four hundreds. I, I did the hurdles in middle school. So I stuck with the hurdles. I think I got around like a 49 at the end of my eighth grade year. And then my freshman year came, came around. Um, I ran cross country, did the same old, same old, um, pretty much ran the same, the same events that I did. But I think what was really, um, good was just the cross country background, just the workouts that I did, they were so grueling. And I kept a lot of that endurance throughout the year. I think I trained track pretty much year round beside, well, running year round. Um, but otherwise. Yeah. Like, like the reason, the reason I asked, like Ryan, he was a decathlete and, you know, a hurdler, he did cross country. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking about Joseph Fambule. He was a captain of the cross country team as well. Like you're seeing like a lot of sprinters and a lot of people who would do uh, short distance, you know, participating in cross country. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's by accident, uh, I guess, like, you know, like you, you maybe thought you were going to be for the long distances and then slowly found out that the, the sprints were more your strength. But uh, I don't know. I just, no, I, I think being a I distance I, I guy. I think I have an answer now. So it, it was, yeah. my, it was my sophomore year. I ran a 1709, um, cross country. It was at, and that was at new Bound or NXR. That's I think a race where I beat Quinn around a 1709. Yeah. And in my, in my head, I was like, Oh my, like that. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be i uh, I'm going to train hard this, uh, this summer during summer running. And I'm, I'm going to go under 16. I'm going to get low 16. And it's, it's going to be a great year. I think that was, that was sophomore year. So COVID hit. 
I missed, uh, we, we missed track and that really put a dent on like my spirit for track definitely. So I missed a season to track. Um, so we went into summer running that whole cross country season, uh, went by and then it was pretty much, I think that season was just, uh, not how I wanted it to go. I don't think I ever broke 18 until the last, I think it was EDC. I think I broke 18, but then at state, I don't even think I broke 18. So I was a little, I was a little on the fence if I was going to do cross country the next year. And then obviously my junior year of track, you know, I went in, I did, the, I did the hurdles and pretty much, I think my, at the end of the season, I ran a 38, three, two. So I decided, I started, decided to hang up the cross country spikes and just keep on yeah. with the uh, track spikes. But I, I think what made me such a great athlete from cross country was definitely, um, you know, my competitive, the competitive mindset that I feel cross country, I feel is a lot more maybe competitive than track just because in track, you have, mul you have multiple events, there's multiple winners, but in like in cross country, like there's, there, there's one guy in, in that varsity race that's taking home the title or taking yeah. home, you know, the winner as that meet. So having that mindset to going into every single race, having the endurance background, um, it definitely, it definitely helps a lot. And, and what, what you were saying earlier about, uh, you know, you have all these athletes that ran cross country, but now they come out for track and they find, uh, you know, they find their, their new sports. You said Joseph Fombley did that. I know Caleb Larson did that, but there's yeah a bunch of great athletes that run cross country. So, I mean, there might be something out there that, um, honestly, I guess, yeah, I'm not really too sure, but I don't, I don't <laughs> honestly, know how to, I don't really know how to answer that too much, but. I, I honestly think it's just like the, the swagger a little bit too. Like that sounds weird. Like cross country shouldn't, you shouldn't have swagger from cross country, but you show up and all of a sudden the 300 hurdles, not hard. If you're running a 17 minute 5k and you show up at the start line of the 300 hurdles and you've got guys that are like, Oh, I'm dreading this. And you're like, seriously dude this isn't even a full lap around the track yeah i think that for me that was one of the biggest things i remember going back after cross country going to track and the days that we would do like repeat fours or we do i remember one time we were doing an 800 workout and don't ask me why i remember doing it with like lauren bothan who was a great short hurdler and i don't know why coach zimney had us doing 800s but like i remember the guys complaining it's like no this is just this is easy this is clockwork this isn't bad so Oh, I think just like the mental toughness side of things is probably just as important as any physical benefit you could get from doing cross. I don't know. Would you agree, Carter? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, sitting out there running a 5k, um, just the mentality that you have to have to sit out there and run three points, however many miles it is. And then when you, you get the track season, especially for me, it's like, I think I ran a hundred that year and it was like, dang, the race is already over. You know, you, you go out there and you run, you run a hundred meter dash and it's like, I, I don't, I don't really like it. I see, especially like the one ten hurdles, I think are honestly my least, my least favorite race just because of how short it is. And I'm more of an athlete where I, th I take sort of time to develop my race. Like in the 400, you see all these guys like out of the gates, they're, they're sprinting, like, like, like it's a 200. And for me, I don't really start kicking it up until, until the last 200. Cause it's just a gradual the gradual race for me, just sort of like how I used to run or how running cross country is. I mean, you don't see guy. I mean, usually if you see a guy sprinting the first hundred meters of the 5k, you know, you're going to usually see him later, maybe puking on like the side of the course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
I think it's definitely, uh, yeah, the mentality from cross country, the endurance and just, you know, running all those hard, long workouts in cross country and then transitioning over to a uh, track where you, I think the most, like the max amount of meters you run at once may will be a 400 if your team does 400 repeats. So mm -hmm. now one really cool thing was after you won the 110 hurdles, Cam got a really great video of you crossing the line. You were overcome with emotion. You are a very passionate individual. Just talking to you right now, it's clear to see that you love track and you love the events that you do. When you cross the finish line, and I don't get to watch you compete a lot, not living in Grand Forks anymore, but just tell me, like, how emotional are you of a competitor? Like, was that normal for you to kind of freak out like that and get really amped up or was that kind of out of your comfort zone tell us about that moment specifically because it was just so cool to get to see that so that moment specifically I was coming off the 400 meter dash where I got second and me being the athlete of that that I am it's maybe not the best mindset to have but for me um I'm more of like a you know first place or go home type of deal uh so coming off that 400 meter dash I got second um I think I went over to the water to the water um, spouter tank and I got a cup of water and then I threw it in my face. And I told myself like, come on, like this shouldn't be happening. So I went over to the 110 hurdles, just, I'm sort of a quiet guy. I don't really like to talk to um, either my, uh, my competitors before I race. And then everyone was just trying to talk up a storm with me about like, they're like, Oh, good job. And, and the thing is, is that they're being so nice to me. They're like, Oh, good job on that 400. You did, you did such a good job. And you know, I'll say, I'll say thank you. And then I'll pretty much just, I, I always keep my head down. Um, even after I finish a race, if I'm not, if I'm not too satisfied, or even if I am satisfied, uh, my mindset's just um, never, just never be satisfied. Just keep moving forward. Um, so especially after that 110 hurdle race, when I beat Brooks Turner and Ryan Bridge Olson, um, I'm going to back up a little bit too, because I have, I have another story that I want to tell, but sorry. <laughs> um, I had the, I had a bunch of Bismarck demon boys actually come up to me before the race. And they were telling me, they're like, you know, you need to beat these two century kids. We're trying to work towards a team title. So now I have the pressure of uh, the Bismarck demon boys telling me they're like, we're rooting for you. They're like, you need to get out there and you, you need to beat those two. So I'm sitting here going, you know, I'll try, I'll try my best. But then uh, fast forward back and back into the race, you know, I'm getting in the blocks. I'm not really anticipating too much. I'm just knowing like, you know, I just, I got, I got to get going. So get up, clean start. Over the first couple um, hurdles, I was pretty I was pretty even with them. I was maybe like a uh, half a step too behind. You know, they were coming off quicker. But then uh, the second half of my race is usually when I start to move up. So I was I started making moves, or I started making my move, um, and I was getting over the hurdle faster than them. And in my and in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm in first place right now. So uh, showing a little bit of emotion in the middle of my race, and then as soon as I crossed the finish line, I wasn't really seated to win that race. Um, and I think coming off that and winning that after getting second in the 400, uh, I just let a, let a lot of motion out and, you know, it, I think that title, that title felt, um, really good. I, I think I was more satisfied with that race than my 300 hurdles race. So after winning that title, I was just, I was amped and I was ready to go. And that helped a lot going into the, into the four by four, but no, that was a, that was a great moment for me, uh, during that weekend. So what number hurdle did you know that you were securing the dub? Hurdle six, hurdle five. I think it was hurdle. Race? I think it was hurdle six or seven because I think I went over, and I and I that's when I started to. Um, I was getting over faster than that, but then I think I saw Brooks. 
yeah, Brooks Turner in the in the lane next to me just absolutely eat a hurdle. Like his trail leg just absolutely smacked it. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, now he's farther behind. So I just kept sprinting. And I I definitely feel like I could have gotten maybe a, a little bit faster of a time had I not right before the finish put my arms up and like yelled as loud as I could. But uh it was it was great just to let out a little bit of motion. I might yeah. I might do it, I might do it a little bit more. Just you know, it it feels good. So how much, Ryan, this is a question for you, Ryan, and for you, Carter, like how much can you like track what's going on around you in the middle of a 110 hurdles race? Because sometimes in like an 800 or 1500, it's too short for me to like remember what happened. That's like, I don't think I could have given that. Like, so like, like how much, how much can you remember in like the short races like that? Carter, Carter, I want to hear what you say first. So personally, um, I, I really remember a lot from my races. Like I think every single, I think just like so many races, I could tell you exactly, um, what happened. I don't know if it's, if it's a personal trait that I just have, but, um, yeah, going over, I, I constantly think what, think when I race. And that's probably why sometimes um, I'll catch myself hitting hurdles or falling over hurdles. It's just because I think too much. It's not a it's not a good trait to have is um, to have to have when you run. So, but yeah, I mean, I constantly think when I run. So going over the hurdles, I think out of the blocks, especially. So like in a one ten race, um, as soon as I'm out of the blocks and I'm over that first hurdle, instantly I'm thinking like, okay, you know, that hurdle I was way too high. I need to adjust. I need to get lower. And then as, as my race develops, I think more so, I don't really think technical. Um, and I just think of, um, you know, wow, I'm like, I'm, I'm in front right now. I'm in front of these two or like how I was in the state final or in my prelim race for 110 hurdles, uh, it was me and Steven Edwards. We were, we were going at it um, and the rest of the field and pretty much from the, from the get-go, I got over the first hurdle and I instantly knew like I was way too high. I think as a hurdler, you just have this, um, and uh, something, something in your head where whenever you go over a hurdle, you know if it's smooth or you know if it's bad. So I feel like you're constantly, usually, always thinking to yourself um, how you can do better on the next on the next barrier. Especially like as a hurdler, if you go over um, one hurdle or one barrier and it's not good, usually you're sort of in a panic. But that's not something that you can really do. You sort of just have to stay uh, cool and composed and just focus on the next uh, next hurdle because you know in a 300 hurdle race you can't really you can't really let one hurdle get in the way of uh, the next seven that you have and in the 110 race you know if you have one bad hurdle you you have nine more to go so yeah I, like i don't think as much as you carter like there's certain races where i could probably say like i do remember that vividly but it seems like there's a handful of races i can remember really really specifically and like from this season, there's only like one hurdle race. I hopped in a meet at Grandview and I remember like hurdle five remembering like that's when I really started to go. Um, and like, I think I clipped my trail leg on hurdle two or hurdle three pretty good. Um, otherwise there's just like, I couldn't do that for every race, but, um, like the races I could think of the most, um, probably the 300 hurdle final my senior year because I clipped my, I went over with the opposite lead and destroyed my trail leg on hurdle six. So like, I can remember like a race like that. And I remember a couple of conference races at NDSU, but um, I don't know. It's just like, 
like Carter was saying, like you have to just make so many little adjustments throughout your race, especially right. in the 110s. Like the 300s, like you've got a little bit more, like especially if you can go with both lead legs and like really you can make up a lot of ground between the hurdles too. So if you have a bad hurdle, just get after it between the next one. But the 110s, like it's so, you've got to be such a tactician, like, you know, all right, like I got to snap down a little bit quicker, bring my lazy with that trail, like next hurdle, I got to bring trail just a little bit higher through a little bit better. So yeah. Can you, can you like sense where everybody is around you? Like all the way, like if you're in the mid or if you're in lane one, can you sense where you are compared to the person who's like in lane eight? Um, I don't really think so. I think it's more so the people that are next to me, but that's usually just because usually we're hitting each other um, <laughs> with, with our, with our arms. So um, maybe usually I can see them like my peripheral vision. I can see them out, out like the corner of my eye um, usually, but not, not so like lane eight, lane one, but usually just the guys that are next to me and maybe like yeah. two, two lanes, but. Yeah, usually it's just like this shadowy figure that's way out there. You just hope you're in front of them. Who knew yeah. this was going to turn into the 110 hurdle, like how to episode? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, because like I steeplechase, so I kind of know what it's like to like hurdle in a race. Like, I, I totally get what you guys are saying about like making adjustments in between the barriers and, and like adjusting like, you know, small little things from one hurdle to the next. But yeah, I've never, uh, never really like thought about, uh, all that other stuff, you know, like, so wait, you're like, you guys bump each other. You guys like hit each other. Like, it's like a physical, like kind of race, like obviously not like intentionally, but there's like jostling in like a hurdles race. Uh, I'd say so. Uh, especially, well, I think wow. the only race you would, would be like the one tens. Cause I think it was the right. first time I really ever experienced it was Howard Wood this year. It was me. And, um, I forget his name from Chester area. Uh, when I just beat him at the finish, it was like hurdle hurdles eight, nine, and 10 when I started catching him and his, his arm came over and it hit and it hit me, it hit my arm. It sort of got me off balance. Uh, and then especially my the prelims of Howard Wood, I, I got, I got out of the blocks, got over the first hurdle. I wasn't in first place because the guy next to me like completely like smacked my chest with his trail arm. Cause you know, um, some people maybe may not like have the, cleanest form which is all right they may still be like developing right. their form. but i mean like if you have people like over the hurdle with both their both their arms out it definitely can affect you and get in the way but i think most officials will, will look for that but it's so hard especially um in a wow. 110 hurdle race to like notice that but i think right right i think uh me and ryan uh no me and brooks not ryan uh, me and brooks uh, i think slapped slapped each other a couple times in our state final but it may, it may mess with you a little bit, but yeah, I say it's a, it's, it's a contact contact event. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. <clears throat> you just, you never want to be next to a person that has the opposite lead leg as you. That is because if, if you are going, which leg do you go over in one tens, right or left? Uh, left? Okay. So if we were next to each other, it wouldn't be a big deal, but let's say I go over my right. Now, when we both bring our arms through as our trail leg comes through, if we are opposite lead legs, both of our arms are going to come through and hit each oh, other. And that's usually yeah. where it's won or lost. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. It's uh, it can be a contact sport. Now, Carter, how would you scale one to 10 rate your hurdle form? Cause we did post a picture of you from, and might I don't know what race it was, but you you're helicoptering a little bit over one of the 300 hurdles. 10 so... being, 10 being <laughs> awesome. 
god tier form zero being like you were saying the beginner developer where are you on that scale so in that picture i i would rate that as zero right away i i don't like the <laughs> the, the arms out um type deal I, I definitely feel like my first some of the, in the 300 hurdles my first my first five hurdles i think before i enter the curve i think i'm crisp usually uh I, i'd rate it like uh like an eight i think i can definitely get down smoother and my arms can maybe not go all over the place. Um, I can definitely be more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More tight, if that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and, get, yeah. and get over quicker. I think my, my form, my junior year, oh, I'd rate, I'd rate that a 10. My form junior year was so good. I don't really know what happened this year. I, just, <laughs> I think it was because I more so just focused on speed over form, which yeah, you, you really shouldn't do because form is just so much in the hurdles. Yeah. Um, in the one tens though, I feel my form, I feel like my form could be a lot better too. I feel like I could get down faster over hurdles. Um, but throughout the whole race, I'll, I'll give it like a solid eight as well. But um, last 100 meters of a three to hurdle race when I'm getting, when I'm tightening up, I'll give it like a five or a four. And then most <laughs> pictures that like WGAY captures of me, zero is like, in, like all across the board. <laughs> Oh goodness. That's how it goes though. Like it seems like whenever somebody gets a good picture of you, it's at your worst moment. Yeah. I say like <laughs> if they captured pictures of me over like my first three hurdles, like butter, it'd be, it'd, it'd be pretty crisp. Um, but sadly they always sit at the finish line. So, uh, so yeah. now, <laughs> we'll talk about, you know, NDSU and how they're going to help you here. Um, get to that 10, that butter crisp, uh, form you're talking about but one question i have before we jump to that is uh on our state preview episode we were talking about how last year jack Erlocker won central's first state title on the men's side since 2008 and that's a long time now central for people that aren't as familiar with the eastern side of the state go back to early 2000s late 90s central was a powerhouse in track and cross country some really good names that went through there, some really impressive guys. And, but it's no lie. Um, there was a long stretch there, Cam, you can probably attest where there wasn't a whole lot of state titles and um, great athletes just weren't able to quite get it done. Um, Cam, you, yeah, Grant, Par yeah. Grant Parks and the throws. <laughs> like I can, I can name a lot of guys. Thanks um, for the just, reminder that I never won a state championship. Paul, Paul Schaefer, <laughs> Shane Harlow, like uh, the Tories and the vault. Like, I mean, we can, yeah, we can yeah. go on and on, but like uh, Carter, just what did it mean for you to win a state title for central? Um, Well, going back to like your guys' state recap video, I did, I watched that. I think it was the night before finals. I listened to that video um, and you guys said that, yeah, central hadn't won, I think a track state championship in so long and after hearing that video i mean you did granted you guys did give a disclaimer like if you don't want the added pressure click off right away um i guess i really didn't care but then after hearing that i was like oh my gosh like i didn't i didn't i didn't think about it like that so i think when i crossed the finish line i definitely didn't think um to myself like um that's you know i'm the first track state champion for central in a long time until I was on the bus headed home and Alan came up to me and he, he gave me the whole spiel too. what you guys uh, said about how central hadn't had a track state champion um, in, in a long time, but uh, it, de it, def it definitely meant a lot. And especially hearing from all my uh, friends and 
uh, teachers at school. And I mean, it definitely, it definitely felt good to, you know, walk around and be able to say that uh, I got that state title. So, and especially for my school. So. Yeah. I mean, pretty cool too, in the long hurdles on uh, you, you trace it all the way, 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 way back. Cliff Cushman, you know, same, same type of event. Was it, did he do the 200 hurdles back then? I don't even know, to be honest, but. Yeah. I think it was, was it the two twenties. Yeah, 20 yard was yeah and then either way there's a a straight and a curve race so just yeah crazy stuff but yeah just just kind of cool like history you know one of the most you know one of the best athletes in state history uh you know went to central ran the hurdles and now you can you know kind of chalk your name up right next to him in the same 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 exact event so yeah, yeah pretty special um yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, you kind of alluded to it. You're, uh, you're, you're never, never satisfied. You're, you're the type of guy who, you know, if you, if you didn't, if you ain't first, you last. Uh, so you obviously have uh, big goals coming up. These, these state titles is not the end for you. Uh, we know you're going to NDSU next year. Uh, tell us a little bit about just kind of the, the process, getting recruited, deciding uh, to go there, and kind of what you hope to accomplish once you get there. Um, so I'll start off with like the whole recruiting process. So me originally, I think end of my junior year, I was at a grad party and Adam Arnold, um, Cam, I think, you know, him. maybe Ryan, yeah. you know, him. um, he told me, he's like, I bet you 50 bucks. You'll end up at NDSU after you, uh, after you graduate and me being myself, um, you know, the big dreamer, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a power five school. It's going to be great. Um, all, all that, all that jazz, um, and then, so we, we made a $50 bet on it. Um, going, going into this year, uh, I just, I just, uh, I had recently thrown in a recruiting questionnaire to NDSU, hadn't gotten back to me. Um, and then I think it was the middle of the summer, uh, uh, Coach Keller shot me a call and he wanted to bring me down. So I was like, all right, I'll go down there. I'll, I'll go for my, I'll go for my visit. Honestly, it was, it was such a great time meeting all the great athletes. Um, the, uh, the facilities are are great too. I think that, I think the athletes is definitely what made it great. You know, I ran against a bunch of those guys, Caleb Larson's there, uh, Brock Johnson, Colin, Colin was, uh, one of the big factors for me just cause I ran against him. He's such, he's such an awesome guy. Um, I think he chaperoned me a lot during my visit. We, we hung out quite a bit. So the recruiting process, um, I didn't get as much offers as I, maybe was looking for this whole year. Um, I was still waiting out. My, my whole philosophy was I'm going to wait till after the state meets and commit. Uh, my parents were pushing me quite a bit. They were like, you know, you need to get this decided. Uh, I had a bunch of other scholarships lined in place. And I thought that NDSU, I think um, with the athletes they're getting, and I think the powerhouse NDSU's uh, track and field team is building. Um, I, I, I'm glad to be uh, brought into it. And I think from a financial standpoint, he was pretty good too. So I, uh, I called, I called coach Keller, I think the middle, middle of March when there was still snow on the ground. And I yeah. told him that I'm, that I'm uh, ready to commit. And he sounded pretty happy about it. I was pretty happy about it. Um, maybe back then I definitely didn't see myself uh, committing to NDSU, but especially right now, I'm just, I'm amped and I'm ready to, um, I'm ready to go compete for NDSU. And I think I'm going to go back to 
um, my visit for one second. We had a a players meeting where all the um, all the uh, athletes that are currently on the team and the uh, high school athletes and their parents can go and have like a meeting with all the other athletes. And I think one of the biggest things that was said was um, one of the NDSU athletes said, you know, it doesn't matter if you go to a power five, it doesn't matter if you go to a lower D1 uh, school, what matters is, especially in track, it, it just matters like the work that you put in and how you treat your time here at NDSU, you know, everything, everything will fall into place. And I think that specifically like landed in my head. Um, and then I think after my visit, we got done with the football game uh, after the Bison football game. And I sat and I talked with Colin Curl for a bit and he was, he was pulling my leg a bit, a bit. He was telling me like, you know, I'll see you next year. Um, and that's when I fully yeah, was yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to NDSU, but uh, I think definitely the athletes, um, or what brought my decision together. You know, I'm excited to get out there and um, meet the boys again, race with them this time, have them be my athletes or have them be my, you know, my friends. So yeah, I say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to, to go to NDSU next year and compete for them. So yeah. yeah it's, oh, go for it, Cam. I was just going to say great place to be. I mean, obviously Ryan and I went there, so we got, we got nothing bad to say about it, but uh, you know, especially coming off, you know, the four by four team, uh, just kind of rewriting the record books in the relay and then getting the national exposure competing out in Oregon at Hayward field. Uh, really, really an exciting time to be, to be joining the team. So. Mm-hmm. And this is probably our time where once every year, Cam and I get on a soapbox and we talk about how you don't need to go to a power five school. And obviously like that was the dream. That was the goal, but, um, and for a lot of people it works, but, when you look at the NCAA results from this year, like if you just go to the live results, choose any event and more often than not, you'll find just as many mid-major schools in there as regular schools. I can't remember. There was a race Karen and I were looking at yesterday on the women's side and more than half the race was mid-major. It was Binghamton, um, like Arkansas state, just all these smaller schools. And yeah, wherever you go, find a coach that can develop you and find a program that's going to buy into you. And that's what's most important, like the cool gear and like the logo of whatever Power 5 school you go to. That can be sweet and hopefully it works out. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with going to a mid-major school or going D2 for that matter or going D3 or NAI and just yeah, like yeah. working on your game. There, Yeah, there's just like too many, too many good opportunities out there to take a bad opportunity just because it's at like a recognizable school, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it really, it really doesn't matter where, where you go. Um, as long as you, yeah, you find, find the coach and teammates who will push you and want you to be better. And, you know, like, honestly, even those things aren't, aren't like supremely what makes the difference is the amount of effort and like work that you put in and the like what you want to get out of it so there's our there's our soapbox we don't there have to talk go. about that till next stepping year off. Now, Ryan. yep stepping <laughs> off yeah. well i think Start. i think i'll i think i'll add to it maybe a little bit um i think sure. I, yeah definitely definitely i i definitely um i think another thing that was the deciding factors i sat down and i was like you know if i ever become an all-american i was like you know what's 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 better, you know, being an all American at a power five school that maybe like everyone expects, like, you know, your power five school, you got the all American or like standing up there as an all American 
on like the let's say like the first place podium, you know, and you just see an NDSU, um, you just see an NDSU Bison up there holding holding up holding up the uh, the uh horns, I guess what would baby. you call this? The horns, man. Yeah, the horns. Uh, and you know, just being a being an all American, I think, and I I personally thought like you know, running for North Dakota, running at the running for the state that I've been in the past eighteen years. Oh my gosh, uh, I think that'd be I think that'd be just a lot a lot cooler to do. So I, and no no one would expect it. And I think watching this weekend, especially um, watching the smaller schools compete against all the Power Five schools and just seeing what they have to offer, like that's I think that's just really cool. I've just gotten to this sort of point where I'm like. You know, you have your Matthew boy, and you have your Fonbola, you have um, all these other athletes, but then you usually you get that one name or those couple other athletes from the smaller schools. And you're like, oh, like who are who are these, who are you know who are these guys that are up and coming? Like from Stanford, um, uh, I can't remember his I can't remember his name, but um, just came out of nowhere, sort of. Well, he's a freshman, so I guess he sort of did come out of nowhere. But yeah. I think I thought that was I thought that was really cool. So. It was just seeing the smaller schools, uh, you know, put it together and compete against the power five schools and sort of, you know, I think we can say most people will, uh, will always, uh, cheer for the underdog. And I don't know, I, I think in track like that extra, like chip on your shoulder can go a lot farther than, uh, in other sports, you know, in basketball or football, there's like schemes and, you know, strategy and, you know, game plans and stuff like that but that those things that like hard work can't always like overcome but yeah in track and running and throwing and jumping hard work can uh yeah can get you places for sure for sure carter do you know what you're going to be studying at ndsu and do you know what dorm you're going to be in big question so i'll be studying exercise science and pre-medicine hoping that goes well with track hoping I can stay on top of it. Um, and then I'm staying, I originally clicked to be in Thompson, um, but they put me in Severinsen, which I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about Severinsen, but I, the great part is, is I'm with two cross country, two cross country athletes. And then my man, Paul Olson. So I'm with Paul Olson and he's, yeah. he's an absolute athlete. So I couldn't be more happier to be in that room. So I bet y'all have a great time. Yeah, we Wait. were in we were in Syme Thompson, Syme Severinsen. They're all the same. So you're you're in good company, my man. Just right, and take that back. They're not all the same. All right, they maybe all Syme's the same. way better, Ryan. Come on, okay, you know maybe maybe, maybe all the same as far as what they look like. But Syme Syme is the best. Yeah, um, just don't do as many dumb things as Cam and I did in the dorm freshman <laughs> year. Um. Well, that's great, man. So what do you got going on this summer between now and moving in NSU? Uh, currently working for Mosquito Control. I got four 10-hour days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday, and then I got Friday through Sunday off to myself. Um, I took my two weeks off after – well, two and a half, three weeks off after uh, track got done. And I'm gonna, I'm starting up tomorrow, uh, Monday, the 13th, uh, starting up training again. So I missed the – I guess I'm not doing the USATF stuff this summer just because I missed the state meet, uh, the state's uh, summer meets, which means that I can't go to the regional meet. So I'm hoping that uh, locally or I can find a couple uh, meets where I can run the 400 hurdles. I just want to get a good time um, and sort of know where I'm at before I go and run at uh, NDSU. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'll just run the 400 hurdles. I don't know. 
if I'll do one tens, I'll probably I'll probably do them a couple times. Um, I have my orientation this Friday, so I I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna talk to whoever it is and see uh, if it's one of the coaches, see what kind of events they want me to do and see if I do one tens. But uh, mainly just four hundred hurdles, just because I I love the I love the longer hurdles. So just staying active, staying in shape, pretty much. Well, you, I mean, you'll obviously know more uh, once you talk to your coaches, but flat stick to the flats on the indoor during the indoor season, staying far, far away from the 60 meter hurdles, you think? Um, That's the thing is I'm not too tall. I think I'm 5'10 or maybe 5'11, but then again, like who, who, who knows? Um, I guess at practice that'll dictate whether I can go over 42 inches. I thought I went over 39 just fine this year. So honestly, I guess whatever the coaches want me to do, I'll do. If they want me to try um, the 110 hurdles, I'll definitely go out there and I'll I'll give it I'll give it my all. Um, I don't know because I'm especially in the 110 hurdles. I'm a I'm a second half of the race type of guy. My first half really isn't the best. Maybe with the coaching uh, that NDSU provides, it'll be better. But the 60 meter hurdles really ain't too much, too much of my, uh, my, my bread and butter. So I'm hoping yeah. maybe they'll stick me in like a 400, maybe a 200, whatever they, whatever they want me to do. Um, but I think definitely outdoor, uh, the 400 hurdles for sure, obviously. And then mm-hmm. if, uh, 60 hurdles or 110 hurdles, I'm able to get over 42 inches, uh, 110 hurdles will be just fine too. But yeah. All right. Hey, well, that's going to just about do it for another episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Carter, we're really excited to, to have you on um, and just hear from you. Um, before we close out, though, I know there's some people that are going to be really shook that we don't know our North Dakota track history. So we had talked about 220 meter hurdles. Those those weren't a thing. Uh, we, we were close. So so 120 hurdles. Um that was an event and no other than Cliff Cushman has that retired state record. Then there were the 180 meter low or 180 yard low hurdles. That was the one where yeah, I was saying there was on a straight and on a curb. So 180 low hurdles on the straight Cliff Cushman has that record. And then there's the 180 low hurdles on a curb. Phil Ferris from Langdon, who I want to get on the pod someday because he went on to play football at university of North Carolina. And then they jumped up to the 330 hurdles. And Scott Wilkinson of Mandan has that state record. So oh. Oh. 220 hurdles weren't a thing. We were somewhere in between. But <laughs> yeah. but now we all know and people won't be upset after. Yeah. Perfect. So, hey, the more you know, right? Yeah. But hey, Carter, congratulations on your two state yeah. titles. Thanks for joining us and talking track. We are really excited that you're going on to NDSU, especially excited um, that you chose the bison, but have a great summer, uh, do some awesome training and be ready to get after this fall. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. And, you know, honestly, couldn't be, couldn't be more ready. So we'll see what happens this fall.